0: All right. Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Only one of us is an actual father, and none of us are priests. You are listening to the only actual father on the podcast, Trey Stinky Fingers Jose, a.k.a. Too Many Early Victory (laughs) Laps. That's all I do. I'm all about my victory laps when it comes to fantasy football. But today I am joined by Tyler Bigger Bierbach. What's happening, dude?
1: Bro, that might have been the crack of the season. That was on point.
0: Hell yeah, crack of the season. Uh, Shout out to the crack addicts uh, across the country. (laughs) And uh, obviously by now you probably noticed we are missing Jimbo James Drear, but he will be back with us shortly. But let's just get to it. This episode is about the late games, start or sits, and our favorite part of the episode, start or, or our starts of the week for week 12. So, in this game, we'll be talking about the Sunday afternoon games, Sunday night games, Sunday night game, and the Monday night game. And before we dive into that, real quick, just make sure you follow us on Twitter, at the FF Fathers. Interact with us. We love to interact. Ask us questions. If you want advice, anything like that. Uh, if you just want to just say what's up, uh, let us know um, that Jim sucks for not being here, things like that. Just hit us <laughs> up on Twitter. So, yeah. Do that. And... Wherever you're listening to us right now, if you're you're messing with the vibe, like and subscribe. And that's the only rhyme that I have. (laughs) So, yeah. Make sure you like and subscribe. And if you want to, give us five stars rating. It definitely helps us out. So, yeah. Let's just dive into this. Let's dive into the first late game of the episode. It's going to be the Raiders playing in Seattle against the Seahawks. Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites, which is bullshit. Uh, the over-under is 47 and a half points. <laughs> okay. We'll see what happens. So, you know, Seattle's defense was very uh, sketchy earlier in the season. One of the leakiest defenses in the NFL. You're one to talk. Um, well, I'm not saying the Raiders are good. <laughs> Either way, uh, lately they've been looking pretty damn good. But they are still getting gashed by running backs this season. So. Um obviously Josh Jacobs looks good, but they are still pretty stingy against quarterbacks and receivers. What are we expecting from Derek Carr and Devontae Adams? I think Josh Jacobs obviously must start. Derek Carr to me is pretty iffy. Devontae Adams still a must start.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously Devontae is is Devontae. He's I think even though he was kind of slow to begin the year, I think he's now the wide receiver three on the season, um, because he's in on and absolute murder spree in the last, I think, three or four games. I mean, he's had... He leads
0: the league in touchdown receptions.
1: Yeah, so that helps. Five of those coming in the last three games, he has 31, 23, 29. He has like 85 points in the last three games. He is killing people right now. Hell yeah. Um, So Devontae's still going to get his, regardless of how good uh, the Seahawks defense has become. Um, I am excited to see Tariq Woolen in this in his first... Very, very big test against Devontae Adams. That'll be fun to watch as a Seahawks fan. Um, but yeah, Devontae is gonna get his. Josh Jacobs should have a good game as well. And I would lean towards sitting Derek Carr. Um, he's been more often than not actually not playable this season in terms of, you know, the yeah. top twelve quarterbacks. And I don't see him really being being able to, you know, overcome that this week.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. And um I'll just say this right now R. I. P. Tariq Woolen. Because he's going to up against one of the best good off receivers in the league, best yep. route runners. Um, if he does look impressive this week, you know he solidifies himself as a, a solid player moving the, forward.
1: The one thing for Woolen that I, I will say is that he's extremely fast and he's very long. So that's the one thing, that even if Devontae Adams does beat him off of the line, which will probably happen on almost every play they're lined up because Devontae Adams is probably the best guy off the line in the NFL. He has the speed and the and the length to catch up. So it'll be interesting to see the way it works. Again, Devontae Hams is gonna get his, but I'm excited to see what this rookie's gonna do against him.
0: Shit, I was gonna say that's like me. Extremely fast and very then you said long, and I was like, nah. <laughs> uh, extremely fast and not long. So <laughs> cover your ears, ears, children. <laughs> they don't know. Baby shark, do-do-do-do-do. Shout out to your kids. But um what about Foster Moreau? Obviously, Darren Waller is out, and Hunter Renfro is out. Foster Moreau does look like a decent play. Not uh, not an extremely strong play, definitely not the worst play you can have as, as tight end. He's on the field at least 95% of the time. He's playing every single snap, which is what you want from a tight end. And there's not many options in this offense.
1: There's not. And the t- the Seahawks do give up a ton of points to tight ends. Um, I know they had two of the biggest outputs of the season for tight ends this year when T.J. Hawkinson went off, and then the week or two weeks later, Taysom Hill went off. But even if you take those games away, they're still like giving up the top five points when it comes to tight ends on on the position. So they're giving up a ton of points. Uh, Foss Moreau is one of the better streaming options this week at the tight end position. I think he's a very, very easy plug-and-play guy.
0: Oh, definitely, and you'll hear about him later in the episode when we talk about our starts of the week. A little sneak preview. Let's talk about Seattle. They are back after a bye week last week, and they did struggle against the Bucks in Germany, which overseas can always be pretty weird. But how do you expect them to look against the Raiders? Very, forgive me, the jalapeno is still coming up. Um, how do you expect this offense to look against the Raiders? The Raiders' defense is... Horrible. I'll just be honest. <laughs> I am a huge Raiders fan. The Raiders defense is extremely leaky. So you know, as far as the quadruplet is of uh, Geno Smith, Kenneth Walk. God Kenneth? damn it! I'll start over. Geno Smith, Kenneth Kenneth Walker the third is. I'm getting my Mike Tyson on, you know, and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Are we sitting any of these guys? I think you're you're starting all four of them.
1: I would agree. This seems like the a get right game. Um, I mean, I hate to say it against your Raiders. I, that's a lie. I love to say this against your Raiders, especially because the Seahawks are playing them. Yeah, that it's, it's a get win. right. It's a get right game. Um, they should be able to, to have a very good game. All four of them. I'm sure somebody's going to be a slightly disappointing. More than likely, some somewhere out of Tyler or DK, but they're still going to give you enough points to start them.
0: Definitely. And if you're a betting man, this over under of 47 points. I think I t- I'm taking the over. I can see it. Both these teams are going to be around 30 points.
1: I can see that, yeah, for sure.
0: A, a lot of points are going to be scored on both ends. So definitely you know take advantage of this matchup and start who you can who is relevant on either team. So let's move on to the Chargers playing the Cardinals in Arizona. The Chargers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is 47 and a half points. Mike Williams is out, re-aggravated his ankle, which, I mean, what's new? He's kind of like the... Um, DeAndre Swift of receivers, you know, a lot of potential and not much output. No counter. That's what I figured. I know you (laughs) like DeAndre Swift, but (laughs) I figured I'd give you a chance.
1: Hey, man, injuries are injuries. And Mike Williams, if he's not, you know, breaking your heart on the weeks you finally start him because he's, you know, playing well, he's breaking your heart because he's always not on the field.
0: Exactly. And when he is on the field, goddamn, he does do pretty good. But Keenan Allen, is he worth a start? You know, he did miss most of the season, but last week he did come back and he had a pretty solid return. He had five catches on eight targets for ninety four yards, no touchdowns. Pretty decent mat, you know, pretty decent showing. You know, around twelve points for half EPR. I, I think he is an interesting play along with Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer does have fifty six points in the last four weeks, and he has 40 targets over those four weeks.
1: I mean, that's all with Mike Williams um, being out for all those games and Keenan Allen being out f- until this last game. Mm-hmm. So it's all based off the status of Mike Williams is what this comes down to. If Mike Williams plays, then Josh Palmer is not a playable pl- uh, playable person. It just isn't. Because he's just going to immediately go to the third string, um, whereas if you saw him at the very beginning of the year where he was there, he has he didn't do much. It's just going to be the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, Keen Allen, I think, is a very easy play. When he's on the field, he produces. It's, just, it's that easy. The problem is that this year, he hasn't been on the field at all. I mean, he's played, there's only, what, the second full game he played this year. So, I mean, Keen Allen will get his. I love Keen Allen this week. I think that as long as Mike Williams is on the field, you can play him. um Just, you know, keep an eye on that injury report.
0: Yep, definitely. That That's the biggest part of the Chargers offense in this in this matchup right now. Keep an eye on Michael Williams and see how that's going to affect the offense. Let's talk about Arizona. You know, uh, word is that the Cardinals want Kyler Murray to be, quote, unquote, full throttle before starting him again. And right now, the Rams are only allowing, you know, four or 15 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. So even if Kyler Murray does play, I'm not real high on him. You know, I I think if you're someone who's been relying on Kyler Murray this season, you are in a better spot if you go with the streaming option.
1: I would counter that completely. Um, Kyler Murray's more than likely going to play. He wasn't ruled out until the day of the game on Monday night. He was ruled out Monday afternoon. So they were looking at him like a game-time decision. Um, There's a pretty good chance I think he plays this week. And even with missing the last two games, he's still the QB 9 on the season. Or I'm sorry, QB eight on the season, uh, QB nine or number nine overall in terms of fantasy points. So QB eight on the season, that's with missing two games. Um, that just shows that the type of output he's normally giving you. His floor essentially is seventeen points.
0: That's a good point. Maybe I'm old school. I expect more, a lot more out of Kyler Murray, but maybe my my hopes were too No,
1: high. I, I honestly I think what it is is that Kyler Murray's burned you a little bit in the past, and you drafted him a bunch, and he didn't quite perform to expectations, at least not your expectations, Yeah, and you're a little salty about it.
0: Yeah, I'm not a little salty. I'm super salty, (laughs) just like my steak when I throw it on the cast iron, baby. But, um, you know, Rondell Moore, he did leave last week's game with a groin injury, and his status this week is undetermined. So, you gotta keep an eye on that. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is a must-start on this offense.
1: He's a monster.
0: Yeah, absolute monster. It doesn't really matter who's at quarterback for the Cardinals. Um, Hollywood Brown though he, it was thought that he was going to play Monday Night Football but he did not this last week and they did not activate him from IR prior to that game which means there's a decent chance he might play this week against the Chargers
1: yeah I mean obviously he's designated for return from IR that just means that he's able to practice they have 21 days um, since designated him to then put him on the active roster so uh, he's sh- since he was so close to playing last week, I mean, he was really a game time decision. I would think he's back this week, barring some type of setback. So with him being back, I mean, what do you expect from this from the receivers here? So obviously, we don't know about Rondell Moore. When Rondell Moore was out, when DeAndre, when Rondo Moore was out and DeAndre Hopkins was suspended, Hollywood Brown and Greg Dortch both were had were having very very good games pretty much every week, and now there's a lot of you know, cloudiness to what's going to happen here. Obviously, we have Diop. Diop is there. Rondell Moore up in the air in terms of his status. Holly Brown still a little up in the air as well. If one or if one of them plays, where does that put Greg Dortch? Do you think they can sustain a three-wide receiver offense? Or even then, if both Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore play, can they still, can all, those two plus Hopkins all have productive days? Or do you think this is strictly gonna be a two wide receiver situation?
0: I think that's gonna be a two wide receiver situation. The writing's on the wall. Marquise Hollywood, round before he went down, was absolutely dominating this offense. But that was with DeAndre Hopkins being out. Now that DeAndre Hopkins is back in the mix and absolutely dominating, once Marquise comes back into the picture, it's it's really them two. Okay, that's how I feel about it. You know, Rondell Moore kind of fades into the mix, and Gray Dortch just becomes the absolute ghost.
1: So, regardless of who's in or out, you think it's a two wide receiver thing?
0: I think so, yeah. They're, they're okay. still pretty committed to the run, even though the run game is kind of trash.
1: Right. I mean, you know, any decent offense needs to rely on the run a little bit, you know, to open up the passing offense. So, I, but I'm with in complete lockstep here with you. Regardless of who is starting, I think only the top two receivers will have productive days. Yeah. So, and then when you're looking at this depth chart, that means it is. DeAndre Hopkins, one, Hollywood Brown, two, Rondell Moore, three, and then Dorch, four. So whoever's starting out of those four, the top two guys in that in that lineup are going get to get you the work that you want.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And when, when you see Greg Dortch's, you know, his past four game performance, you know, you can't get fooled by it because there's a lot of you know, things that come into the mix, which is basically what you just said. You know, with Hollywood Brown being out, DeAndre Hopkins coming back into the mix. You know, in his last four games that he has played 70-plus percent of snaps, Greg Dorch, he does have 33 targets and 50 fantasy points. But a lot of factors come into that mix. And if Marquise Hollywood-Brown and De'Andre Hawkins are healthy, he's absolutely a complete ghost to me. Yeah. I do not care about him.
1: Absolutely. But that's why it's so important to pay attention to the injury report and the practice report going into the season or going into this week because it shows. It doesn't matter who's there really between the four of them. The top two guys will produce. So pay attention to it. And those are the two guys you should have in your lineup.
0: Yep, yeah, definitely. Let's move on to the next game. Los-, Los Angeles Rams going into Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Holy shit. The Chiefs are 14 and a half point favorites. God damn. I have not seen a spread like that in a long time. Uh, the over under is forty four points, so apparently the Chiefs are gonna absolutely demolish these guys. And, you know, on the Rams side of the ball, the the only real interesting part after Hollywood or Hollywood, after Cooper Cup goes down, is the Rams backfield. Kyron Kyron Williams played the majority of snaps, but Cam Akers ended up with more carries. And moving forward, obviously the running back landscape is pretty sketchy, so you gotta keep an eye on this backfield. Um, do we trust either of these
1: running backs right now? No, you can't. Obviously, the big news of the day here is that they released Daryl Henderson, um, which came out of left field to me. I know we mm-hmm. talked about on the waiver episode. I was super confused on where this backfield was going, and whether it be Henderson or Cam Akers and Kyron Williams. There, the whole situation with Cam Akers earlier in the year still baffles me. It's super confusing on how they went from like. We're absolutely done with this player. We're never gonna play again. To let's, you know, rekindle the the relationship type of situation. It's really weird. It honestly seems toxic as hell. Um, and mm-hmm. now Daryl Williams gets or I'm sorry, Daryl Henderson gets cut out of nowhere. So I have no idea what to think of this backfield. Um I can't trust either one of one of those guys. Obviously, Kyron Williams did get a lot more work last week, even though mm-hmm. it was only his second game of the season. I'm excited to see what Kyron Williams brings to this offense because I'm a big believer in him. Um, but for this week, there's no way you can rely on either one of these guys. Yeah,
0: but I totally agree. My biggest take from this is, like, yeah, uh, I agree with you. Avoid these guys, but dynasty-wise, Kyron Williams, his uh, value is skyrocketing right now. Um, let's talk about the quarterbacks, though, for the Rams. Matthew Stafford, his status is still up in the air as he goes through concussion protocol. If he doesn't play, it's going to be John Wolford, oh, yeah. who didn't look horrible. Forgive me. who didn't look horrible, but uh, also not great. So if he does play, the Rams offense is going to be struggling.
1: Yeah, it's, this. the Stafford situation with concussion was weird because he didn't leave the game prior with a concussion. He ended up in the concussion protocol midweek on like Wednesday and then played anyways. And then end up back in concussion protocol. The whole situation seems a little weird. Like, he's getting these weird after effects of a concussion. Not necessarily the immediate hit. It's like the secondary hits that are, like, pushing him over the top. So, it's a little concerning, honestly. um, Because those seem to be worse than, like, the guy that gets his bell rung on a single play. Um, Because these are more cumulative. And, Mm -hmm. as we know, through, you know, many sources, the, the addition of CTE and, like, how we see how that... You know, affects guys later in their lives. Uh, are these kind of repetitive, smaller hits that end up hurting them? And so it's scary for what end up could happening. You know, obviously long after his playing career. But it's again, this is a very, very weird situation. I don't love it. Just it scares me for him. Honestly, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, we want they want our play these players to be healthy. We want that. We don't want to see their careers cut short. Things like that. And a head injury is not something to play with. So, in all honesty, just for the sake of Matthew Stafford, I kind of hope he sits this week for, again, his own health. But that's not how football players are wired. He's going to push every second to play in this game.
0: Yep, and it doesn't help with the fact that, you know, Tua looked dead, like, about four weeks ago. And since then, he's thrown, you know, 10 touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah. Since he looked like he was, you know, throwing up some game signs on the field.
1: And that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen on a field when he did it. Yep. Like, like and that was scary stuff. Like, the one thing is, like, when someone like really breaks a bone, that's really bad. You know, go back to like the Alex Smith situation, you know, which we all know was very, very bad. But at least you you know it's a broken bone, and guys can come back from that. As Alex Smith did, you know, it was like one of the worst broken legs we've seen in the history of the NFL.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Head injuries are a whole different thing. Head injuries affect you for the rest of your life. They really can. Uh, you know, we've seen that. So, I hope that's not the case, and I—I I don't know, man. I just hope that they honestly. I really do hope they just keep him out for this game. It worries the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Shout out to brain damage. Um, <clears throat> I guess please, not, I guess, or at least the lack thereof. Please, guess, yeah, not a, not a shout out. So, on on this Ram side of the ball, though, you know, the wide receiver room is basically Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson after Cooper Cup went down. And both these guys are averaging about five, six targets per game. It, it, let's just be honest. Is there anyone on this Rams offense we're fucking with?
1: I I'll still lean towards Allen Robinson. Right now he's the wide receiver one there, right? Yeah. And so even though he only had five targets, he did they actually finally got that red zone look and scored a touchdown. So that's beneficial. I mean, they're not it's not great, obviously we know this. But I think I'm still okay rolling the dice on Allen Robinson.
0: Okay. Um, on the Chiefs, as usual, guys, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, really nobody else. Uh Isaiah Pacheco is emerging.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I would say if keep the keep an eye on the stats with Juju. If Juju plays, I think you're more than welcome to throw him into your lineup. He's been very, very good in the last half of this season so far. So I don't expect that to change as long as he's healthy.
0: Yeah, one of the offseason takes for many people that actually turned out right. <laughs> uh, people thought he would be good, and it's finally happening. It took a little while, but he's he's coming to his own. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the next game here. New Orleans Saints going into San Francisco to play the 49ers. The 49ers are nine-point favorites over under his 43 points. Last week for the Saints, Dal- Andy Dalton had three touchdowns. But... The 49ers only allow 14 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, which means not even, in, you know, basically a touchdown and the yardage. So a very tough defense to go against. Uh, Andy Dalton, obviously, we're probably not going to be starting. I just thought that was interesting to throw
1: out there. Yeah, and he did that against a good defense in the Rams. Let's keep that in mm-hmm. mind as well. Um, their defense that was very stingy against quarterbacks, only giving up about 15 points a game, and he, he kind of lit them up. So it's going to be interesting to see how this matchup works. Uh, ultimately, though, I would say that the Niners have a much better pass rush than than the Rams do, and that's going to end up making so Andy Dalton has a poor game.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. So basically, we're rolling with Chris Olave on the Saints. Uh, obviously, Kyle, Alvin Kamara, you kind of have to with the running back landscape, but those two guys, nobody else, right? I mean, do you want to talk about Juwan Johnson? Uh, so we I talked do, about
1: him a lot in the waiver wire.
0: I do. love me some Jawan Johnson. I think he is worthy. I'm glad you brought him up.
1: I mean, I, obviously, there's a little bit of worry there for myself when Jawan Johnson because he's very touchdown dependent, um, mm-hmm. as most tight ends are. But this week against San Francisco, they are the fifth best team against tight ends. They'll give him seven points a game.
0: They're a stout defense. My thing about Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson is, you know, he's competing somewhat with Taysom Hill. So, it's...
1: But not really at the tight end position. Like, yeah. Taysom Hill's listed as a tight end, but doesn't ever line up at tight end.
0: Well, the thing is, are, are the Saints going to get in the red zone? Because when they get in the yeah. red zone, they target Jawan Johnson. So, yeah.
1: that's And that's a, a good point. I, I still just want to point this out, just because it's so weird. I love that Taysom Hill, you know, he's listed as a tight end. <laughs> but as a tight end, he has one, two, three, four, five, six receiving targets on the entire season as a tight end. Like, right. I don't. I, I mean, I understand there's no other way like to really put him into a position because he doesn't. He's really positionless in this offense. But like, we got to figure out something where maybe we should just call him flex. And he's the, he's a flex only type of player. You can't put him into yeah. any. You you can only put him into your flex spot. Maybe we should do that. Because
0: they should, we should. Well, like, not us, but you know, they whoever yeah, does, whoever controls that.
1: ESPN sleeper, Yahoo, NFL, anywhere that that sets up. ESP, you know, fantasy leagues. Just make him a flex player only, so you can no longer put him into a position.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Let's talk about the 49ers side of the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo surprisingly is averaging two touchdowns per game over the last six games. And he has a nice floor right now of 16 fantasy points per game. So he seems like a decent streaming option, no?
1: I mean, he kind of does, and that's so weird to say. But the addition of Christian McCaffrey has changed this offense. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though they are really actually relying on both McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, especially in the second half, McCaffrey's still getting his work in the first half like crazy. He's still getting over 100 yards. And crazy stat, when CMC is in or on the field, Jimmy Garoppolo's pl- completion percentage is 76%. There's just yeah. so many weapons there between CMC, Debo, uh, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. There's so and then you have this mastermind of a play caller and they created an if created if creativeness, Jesus, I can't speak of Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, he just makes it so Garoppolo can find an easy open read because he has guys that can manipulate the defense more than like most offenses can.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, New Orleans is allowing 28 fantasy points per game to receivers, and in the last 5 weeks, Brandon Ayuk has been an absolute tear. Yes. So, you know, speaking of the offense opening up. Uh Brandon Ayuk looks like a very good play this week. We'll talk about him here in a second. Let's talk about the next game though. The Green Bay Packers go into Philadelphia to play the Eagles. Nice little old-school game here. Uh, the Eagles are seven-point favorites, which kind of makes sense. Uh, the over-under is 46.5 points. This is the Sunday night football game. And on the Packers' side of the ball, it's an offense that has been underwhelming. So it's it's hard to tell who we're going to be really playing on the Packers' offense. Romeo Dubs or Dubs? I... I still can't remember how we fucking pronounce that shit. Dobbs. Um, I like Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs. Slight chance of returning in week 12, who was the favorite uh, receiver for Aaron Rodgers before he went down. And it seems like the Packers are fi- like figuring out a nice rotation of receivers at this point. If he does play, do you like Romeo Dobbs?
1: Honestly, I don't. The last couple of weeks, like, Christian Watson, obviously, he's been insane. He has five touchdowns in the last two games, so it's hard to compete with that. And that connection's growing with Aaron Rodgers, and you obviously have Alan Lazard still there. And I just don't know where Romeo fits in right now, honestly. I think when they get another offseason to kind of put things together, it could change, but for the rest of the season, I'm not sure how well he, he fits into this offense.
0: It it should be interesting. You know, Aaron Rodgers is having, you know, one of his lesser seasons of his career. Very few games of over 300 yards, which means we're struggling to have, you know, wide receivers perform. Definitely very interesting. And, you know, with that being said, Christian Watson, he has five touchdowns in the last two games. Obviously, one of those games he did have uh, three touchdowns, I believe. So, I, how are we approaching this offense this week? For the Packers.
1: Um, I think you're okay. I think you can play. <sighs> Maybe I can't. Here's the problem. They're playing the Eagles. The Eagles defense is damn good. And they force very a lot good. of turnovers. They have a very good pass rush. The, one of the biggest things that's happened in Green Bay this season is the offensive line not very good. And they've been ex- they've been stellar for years up in Green Bay and on the offensive line. And that's a problem. So, I think it's an honestly a toss-up between Lazard and Watson on who's going to have a decent game. Because the problem is one of them, or maybe it's going to be a little mixture, is going to have Darius Slay all over him the entire game. And maybe he switches back and forth a little bit.
0: That's a good point.
1: And, I mean, Darius Slay is on the, you know, almost locked in, I think, at this point to be an all-pro this season. He's played that damn well. Mm -hmm. So, it's hard to say. And just going back to the Aaron Rodgers thing, like if you look at his overall career, he is in line to have by far his worst finish as a quarterback If you take away the seasons that he didn't play the entire season because of injury. Right now, he's the QB 12 on the season. His worst finish ever was in 2019, and when he finishes, the QB 9.
0: That is wild, and we're we're going back to 2009, folks. Yeah. Back when we was youngins. (laughs) Okay.
1: 18 years old back then.
0: Yes, sir. Well, you were because you're old as fuck. But anyways... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about the, the Eagles side of the ball. Obviously A.J. Brown must start. Jalen Hurts must start. What about the running backs? You know, Miles Sanders has struggled the last couple of weeks. He was on a pretty good tear mm-hmm. as the season
1: started. What are we gonna do against the Packers though? Well, I think they start to you know they, they've been pushed around a little bit the last couple of weeks, the Eagles have. I think they're gonna want to Kind of re show their dominance, um, as a you know, in terms of setting the uh, the line of scrimmage on the defensive and offensive side of the re-show ball. Re show it did I say what did I say,
0: he said, re show. I don't know, that's not I a real know. word, but people get re establish, you know, okay, <laughs> re establish their Thank you know, that they're a dominant reach into the, the thesaurus. <laughs> it, give us a word, I'm, real. I'm, I'm
1: on a first grade reading level, <laughs> um, but. Against this Packers, I think that's what's gonna happen. They give up a ton of points on the ground. Twenty two points a game to running backs, but they're stingy against receivers and quarterbacks. So this is the perfect get right game for Miles Sanders for them to, you know, feed him the ball a solid eighteen times. Let him really carry the offense this week.
0: Yeah, I can see that happening. It would probably be like a positive game script for them. Yeah. Most likely with this game going in here. So uh, let's talk about the next, our last game, really, before we dive into our starts of the week. The Steelers going into Indianapolis playing the Colts. The Colts are two and a half point favorites. The over under is 39 points, which is probably the lowest total for our late games. And during this episode, this is going to be the Monday night football game. On the Steelers side of the ball, Najee Harris had his first really good game of the season, which, you know, with his draft position, obviously being like towards the end of the first round, being in the second round uh about damn time he had 25 fantasy points and he seems to be the only fantasy relevant player on Pittsburgh besides George Pickens which is kind of crazy to say because Deontay Johnson has not been doing anything yeah
1: um I would throw you know Friar Muth in there as a tight end um
0: oh the Muth yeah we love the Muth you can't you can't can't the
1: Muth the the one thing with Najee I think maybe he was getting in his head the beginning of the season but like all of a sudden, like, people started to talk shit about Najee Harris. Like, he's just not the guy. Like, he wasn't the guy we thought we saw him last week, last year. And in the last two weeks, he's finally had good games. Last week, I would say he had a good game. He averaged four four 4.9 yards a carry, had 99 yards. Oh, shit. If he, if he, he would have scored a touchdown, it would have been a great fantasy performance. But then the mm-hmm. week, but this last week, two touchdowns, four and a half yards a carry, you know, 25 points. I think he's kind of sick and tired of people telling him he's not a good running back. I think the emergence of Jalen Warren really bothered him. He's like, "Hold on, let me you know pull my head out my ass and do something here." So maybe Najee Harris finally rewards the managers that drafted him in the first round this season and could potentially carry you into a fantasy playoff and final, possibly.
0: Fuck, that'd be nice. That'd be like a fantasy just miracle story. Uh, Our biggest knock on Najee Harris, you know, going back to last year, was the fact that. Yeah, wasn't averaging over four yards per carry. It was his usage that brought him into being, you know, that top ten yeah. running back.
1: <clears throat> and he also, last year alone, he did get a ton of usage in the receiving game. He which had has the most touches there.
0: of any running back in the league. Yeah,
1: and but a lot of that came. He was getting the ball rushing and receiving. This year, the receiving game has just not been there. Um, it's like, it's just, I'm sure that's mostly because of the difference between the quarterback play between Ben Roethlisberger and, and then the Mitch Trubisky slash Kenny Pickett this season mm-hmm. um, where they're not using the check down as much as they can because they don't see the field as well instead of taking easy throw and everything else is, you know, covered. Yeah. But I don't know. I got hopes for Najee to turn this this season around over the last, you know, six or seven games.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, Indianapolis is allowing around 20 fantasy points per game to running back. So they, they should be in a good position. Oh uh, well, he should be in a good position, Najee Harris, to you know at least have fifteen points this week, which is, I would think so by far, you know, RB one by this year's standards.
1: Yeah, and even though they're having the later game game of the week and on Monday night, Jalen Warren's status is very much in doubt already. If they're saying that they are not very certain about him playing, and it's only Tuesday, that's probably a pretty good sign that Najee Harris is back as the only running back they're going to give the ball to, and against this indianapolis defense he has a good chance to have a very very good game
0: i'm totally with you so let's talk about indianapolis uh pretty much besides derrick henry obviously uh very lackluster fancy wise. Derrick henry uh, derrick Henry, jonathan taylor <laughs> sorry <laughs>
1: I, you were in the right division
0: i the right division thank you for kind of buffering me there <laughs> totally fucked that up <clears throat> jonathan taylor has been a little disappointing but either way uh, this whole team is lackluster fantasy wise. Besides Jonathan Taylor. You know, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, they're they're like a like fringe flex territory for me.
1: I would agree. And it sucks to say that about Pittman. We we said this all year. Like I know we were all high on Pittman going into the season. He was regularly being drafted in the third and fourth round. Um probably close to the fourth.
0: Cause uh, it, maybe a little higher, honestly. People liked him. Yeah, I, I, mean, lo- I loved him.
1: Yeah, and like this offense just isn't what it is. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we thought Matt Ryan was going to have a bounce-back season, and we were wrong. He, oh,
0: we were so wrong. Yeah.
1: And now, granted, it's gotten a little better the last couple of weeks. The, the change at head coach to Jeff Saturday has sparked this team.
0: If you bring up the Raiders game, I swear to God, I'm going to cancel this I, podcast.
1: <laughs> I won't bring up the Raiders. Even though it's funny.
0: I will stop recording right now. <laughs> uh,
1: but, I mean, there's a spark there all of a sudden that we hadn't seen all year. Even Matt Ryan's playing much better the last two weeks than he has the entire season. That's a good point. So, um, there's something to be said w- for this offense. It is kind of interesting that right now I think I would rather have Paris Campbell as my receiver than Pittman, though.
0: No, I, honestly, and I'm not completely against you. It's it's a bit of a toss up to me, but um, their targets are about the same. But I'll be honest, my loyalty to Michael Pittman, I I I just can't waver from it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm with you. There. I mean, you're right. Their targets are about the same. Their usage overall is about the same. But I don't know. It just kind of seems like Paris Campbell and Matt Ryan have kind of built this little chemistry that we're not seeing with Pittman.
0: Yeah, well, fuck
1: Matt Ryan for that one. Man, I don't know what it is. I mean, because all of a sudden, Paris Campbell... I, I agree with you. I, I see what you're seeing. Paris Campbell has three touchdowns in the last six games to Michael Pittman's zero. What are you
0: trying to do just to make I, my heart bleed right now? Dude,
1: I'm with you. I was on the Pittman train, too, okay? I'm with you. But sometimes it is what it is. Michael Pittman hasn't scored touchdown since week one.
0: Yep. I, I I God damn it. I know what it is. Okay. Yeah, so it, you're driving your point home, definitely. Michael Pittman, probably not a better start than Paris Campbell, which is crazy. It is crazy to say. I hate this fantasy year, and that kind of drives that point home. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I think that pretty much wraps up our you know uh, start or sits for the late games. Let's get into the real meat of the episode. Starts of the week, baby. Yeah, the meat and potatoes. Yes, for this sir. Thanksgiving week. It is, you know, meat and potatoes, dude. Let's fucking slice that turkey open. Get them deviled eggs, that green bean casserole. Um, I don't know. What do white
1: What do white people eat? What are you talking about? <laughs> do we eat the same shit? It's still Thanksgiving. Same things. It's turkey, mashed potatoes, green bean casseroles. There. Okay. <laughs> hey, unless, hey, just fun fact: Ryan Clark of you know ESPN and Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, great player back there. He's from Louisiana, and they have gumbo. On Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, yeah. I'd love to have uh, greens, honestly. I've had greens back when I lived in Illinois. uh, Weirdly, southern state, even though it's in the Midwest. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, let's talk about this. Our stars of the week. Um, Should I do mine first? Yeah, go for it. All right. So, I'm going to dive into it. Geno Smith playing the Raiders. My Raiders. I I know. I'm a total traitor. But that's just what it is. I'm a Raider traitor. Yeah. the... The Raiders are allowing 21 points per game to quarterbacks right now, fantasy-wise. And their defense is just absolute trash. Meanwhile, in the last three weeks, Geno Smith is averaging around 19 fantasy points per game. It seems like a must-start right there. Geno Smith is a—I think he's a lock this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the matchup is too good. And we talked about it in the way that, like, pretty, all your major players on the Seahawks, you could probably start. And they'll probably all give you decent games. So. Mm-hmm. It is, what it, it is what it is. What it is, you know. Sometimes it's the way that the matches work out. I'm gonna go with Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, he is the literal definition of mediocre quarterback in terms of being like that fringe fantasy starter. Has been for years. It just it's who he is. What's right? changed? Yeah, nothing's changed, right? But they got absolutely embarrassed by the Cowboys last week. At home, they were in Minnesota, and the Dallas came in and punched him in the mouth. And I am a big believer in NFL players that get embarrassed like that; they develop this form of, dep- of desperation, and they go out and play with absolute reckless abandon. You like that? Yeah, exactly. Well, he didn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's just like I said the same thing about it. You know, a few weeks uh, a while back when. The Bengals started really poorly at the beginning of the season. They were like one and three or whatever. And I was like, and I came out and said, Joe Mixon or Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow's gonna have a major game because they're desperate. They need a win. Like the good players, they do that. And Kirk Cousins is a good enough player to rally these troops. And I think he's gonna have a very big game. If first of all, it starts with as re- you know, rekindling the connection he has with Justin Jefferson. Um, something happened last week where Jeff- Jefferson was like just not part of the game plan. So that's gonna change. Jefferson's going to go back to being the way he is. The addition of TJ Hawkinson adds a ver- a new wrinkle to this offense that they haven't seen since Kirk Cousins has been there. He's by far the most talented tight end he's had that he's played with, probably in his career, honestly, even going back to Washington. Definitely. So no, He definitely is. I think that kind of desperation that this team's going to feel has Kirk Cousins coming out in prime time, which we all know he's not great at doing in prime time. He comes out. Plays desperate and has a very, very good game against these Patriots.
0: Oh, on Thanksgiving, I'm gonna be fucked up and just making sure Kirk Cousins better to do this damn thing. <laughs> You're convincing. So yeah. That's not a bad one. Uh my running back start of the week is gonna be Latavius Murray versus the Panthers. I think this is obvious. Uh it's kind of ironic. My start of the week is also someone we were talking about on our waiver wire episode. Yeah. Only rostered, you know, about twenty five to thirty percent of the leagues. This is someone, you, if you got fab, drop the fab. You got to get him. Latavius Murray versus the Panthers. His only backups right now are Marlon Mack and Divine Ezigbo, who's on the, pac, the practice squad. They literally have two active running backs right now.
1: They'll probably bump him up for the game, just have that third guy, but that doesn't mean anything in terms of him getting on the field.
0: Exactly. And Marlon Mack, as much as I love him and I've been rooting him for years, uh, it's that's not a reality, man. So, he's the only reliable, reliable running back right now. And Carolina allows 23 fantasy points per game to running backs. So, Latavius Murray this week, I swear to God, if he doesn't get at least 10 points, what am I even doing?
1: Oh, no. Dude, he's get, he's going for 15, honestly. Take it to the bank. Latavius Murray's, ha, Murray's having a big game.
0: Yeah, I want to say 15, but I thought that was kind of high. Um, uh, do it. Honestly, I'm expecting almost 20. Like we <laughs> Oh, there like, we go. Now, now we're raising the bar. Yeah, it's it has to happen. So nah. who is your running back start of the week?
1: I'm going to go with James Conner against the Chargers. Um, obviously, we know Con- James Connor's not had the season that many of us ex- expected him to have. Not I know me. you. I Be- know. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it was not you.
0: Let me start the car and get a victory lap going. Yeah. Because I told <laughs> you.
1: I fucking told you. Yeah. I mean, part of that was injury-based. He has missed some games with the ribs. And even then, even... <laughs> The ribs, the ribs. Hey, man, crack ribs. You know, hey, you were you you felt that. You know, you know how that that feels. It sucks. And yeah. you're just, you're sitting at a desk, and it sucked.
0: Well, we were playing spike ball, uh, anyways. James <laughs> Conner sucks. Keep going.
1: So, anyways, uh, since he's come back from the injury after the bye week, right? He's averaging 14 points a game since coming back. They're relying on him a little more. they're It's helping open up the offense. He's now getting the Chargers' defense who have been terrible against the run this season and last season. Nothing's changed. They Mm -hmm. give up the third most points to running backs at almost 26 points a game. Guess what? James Conner has no competition in this backfield. It is James Conner. There's nobody else. They released Eno Benjamin. Uh, I don't remember the kid's name that's behind him. He's a rookie out of God knows where. It doesn't matter. He's done nothing. So, nothing. Nothing. I mean, if you really want me to look it up, I'll look it up. But, anyways, all that means is that James Conner is very likely to push 20 points this week, if not more. James Conner is going to have a hell of a game, and the guy that's backing up is Keontae Ingram, just for your wherewithal. Your wherewithal, or whatever.
0: Um, You're convincing. If James Conner doesn't do it this week, uh, it drives home my home. Or drives... Home your point? Drives home my point. That James Conner is not that guy, but, you know, he's definitely worthy of starting in your in your leagues, definitely. So, I'm with you somewhat.
1: You're just hating.
0: I will always hit on James Conner. So, my wide receiver start of the week is going to be Brandon Ayuk versus the Saints. The Saints allow 28 fantasy points per game to receivers, which is about middle of the pack, but right now Ayuk is on a hot streak. He's been the most dominant fantasy receiver for the 49ers even with the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey. So I see Brandon Ayuk at least getting, like, you know, 14 points this week. So you can definitely throw him in your lineup. Definitely start Brandon Ayuk. He's on fire right now.
1: He, he is. And I've been hesitant to jump on the Ayuk train because I've seen, you know, stretches from him before. And then he shits the bed. But this year, he's he's quite literally a better fantasy player than Debo Samuel. He has been so far this season.
0: Yeah, I think Debo is in like the low 20s, and Debo is in the top 24. Uh, uh,
1: so right now, Ayuk is ranked 16th in PPR, and Debo is 21. So yeah. it's, it's close, but you didn't draft Brandon Ayuk in the third round like you drafted Debo.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe even higher. People love Debo yeah. this
1: offseason. And so that, that difference alone is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think at this point I am on the IU train and that's scary for me to say because, again, I've seen IU absolutely shit the bed after having stretches like this, but this one's a little more sustained. This the, is now the targets over. are way higher, though. It's they a
0: little are. different story.
1: Yeah, they're get a lot more usage. And this is now instead of a two or three game stretch where he played really, this is a five game stretch now. Mm-hmm. So. I like the IU I, I like the i u train, and I like him. I do again like him this week in New Orleans. Weird. It's weird for me to say that. You 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 have convinced me. I have. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna my receiver start of the week is gonna be Keenan Allen. I know mm. he's been out, he's been out all year. I know this. He's played two whole games. I like it. I like the risk. Honestly, here we know what Keenan Allen does when he's on the field. The dude is arguably the most consistent fantasy player. Across all positions, he's just always there year after year. It's like a hundred catches, thousand yards, five or six touchdowns. Like, is that top ten receiver production? No, but are you const- consistently getting like a top fifteen receiver? Hell yeah, you are, mm-hmm. and that, you love that. I mean, it's a type of guy you can absolutely rely on, where with no with very little regard for you know worrying that he's going to have a a down a down game. Played last week, he finally came back. He had zero setback to his hamstring injury. All right, So unless something weird happens in the, during the week in practice, he should be good to go. Mm-hmm. He's, he's off the injury report. Mike Williams reaggravated that high ankle sprain. We're not sure if he's going to be able to play this week. And I think that him and Justin Herbert are going to expand on this connection that they've developed over the last couple seasons, really. But he's finally back. Keenan Allen is. I think they expand on that, on that relationship this week. And Keenan Allen's just due for a big game. I think he's going to have his first... Big game of the season. I think he gets in the end zone, and I'm telling you, he's going to score more than 15 points.
0: I like that. Around 50 points, I, I can go with that. He, he's definitely in a good position this week, especially with Mike Williams being out. So let's talk about tight ends then. My tight end start of the week is going to be Foster Moreau versus the Seahawks. The Seahawks are the second worst defense versus tight ends right now, allowing 16 fantasy points per game to the position. And lately, Foster Moreau has not been very many targets in this offense with Darren Waller being out, but he's consistently on the field. At least 95% of the time, he's always out there. I think he'll be able to capitalize against his weak Seattle defense. As we talked about before in this episode, you know, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are out of the picture. So I think he's in a good position in a very weak tight end landscape, which hasn't changed In our entire lives, you got to take a risk. And he is in a good position right now. Who's your tight end start of the week?
1: Yeah, I can't say you're wrong. I really can't. I think he's a very good streaming option this week. So, I'm I'm with you there. I'm going with David Njoku.
0: Oh, my boy.
1: I know. I mean, honestly, this is more just expecting him to work his way back into the game plan that we saw earlier in the season. Before the injury, this dude was getting like 8 to 10 targets a game. Um, he was the second option in the passing game behind Amari Cooper. He was putting up numbers that you wanted to see from a weekly starting tight end. He came back last week. They were clearly on a snap count. He only played about a third of the snaps. I think he works his way back up into that 60 or 70% tile in terms of snaps played and that kind of usage against a good matchup in Tampa Bay who's giving up 12 points again to tight ends means that, in joke, who's going to give you tight end one numbers again this week, it's just going to happen.
0: I'm totally with you. I love me David Njoku, someone I considered making my own pick, but I'm glad you picked him. He's definitely very worthy. Uh, Whenever he's healthy, you got to start that motherfucker. (laughs) He is worthy. So we'll cap this episode off with my defenses of the week. Stinky. Defenses of the week, baby. I got three of them for you. First one is going to be Miami Dolphins versus Texans. Uh, I've been saying this probably all season now, but you got to play the defense is worth the Texans. Um, it's pretty obvious, but in the last five games, Davis Mills continues to just, he, he's continuing his turnover streak. You know, he has six interceptions given up in the last five games, pretty much holding back that offense and the Dolphins defense is solid. So you got to roll with the Dolphins defense this week.
1: I'm not sure what he's not seeing on defense with that draft neck he has there. I mean, he should be able to see everything and he's seeing nothing.
0: Yeah, he has the sky view and um <laughs> he's just throwing it to anyone on the other team.
1: <laughs> the sky view brought to you by Walmart.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. That is exactly what's happening. Uh, the other defense I like this week is going to be the Washington Commanders. I talked about them last week. that They came through for us, man. Um, if you're in a half-point PPR league with standard settings, they scored 19 points for you last Weesh. week. Yes, sir. This week they play Atlanta, and they've been playing great defense, but guess what? They've been playing great defense without Chase Young. This week they get Chase Young back. So the defense only gets better. So I really like the you know the Commanders defense against the Falcons this week. Should be pretty solid. You gonna say something Hold about on, Chase that? Young,
1: Chase Young's back this week. That's what I'm reading, dude. Oh, I didn't even hear that. That's great. Yes. He's been out all damn season. He's he's their best pass rusher when he's there, and this defense line's already good. They're exactly. a very very good defense line. You add Chase Young to this mix. Oh.
0: Yes, yeah, and this is a team that's not very. It's not rostered in a lot of leagues. If you're trying to make that playoff push. This defense could really help you out. That extra five, ten points every week. Could really help you out. And, you know, my last defense of the week uh, seems kind of chalky, but, you know, the Chiefs versus the Rams. If Matthew Stafford is out, obviously they're playing against John Wolford. And if Stafford is out, that go- this defense goes from a decent start to a pretty good start. So keep an eye on that. I
1: don't think there's anything chalky about starting the Chiefs defense, which is number 19 on the season so far. I don't think it's chalky. That's, a, that's playing a damn good matchup.
0: One nineteen, yeah, against the Rams, and even if Matthew Stafford was starting,
1: uh, th- this offense kind of fucking sucks, especially with yeah. Cup out. So <laughs> it really does. I mean, the offense was even with Cup in, the offense was bad. Just Cup was still putting up his normal Cup numbers.
0: Yep, exactly. So that's what you got. My three defenses of the week. Maybe I love the Dolphins against the Texans, the Commanders against the Falcons, and the Chiefs against the Rams. And I think that pretty much wraps it up. Is there anything else you're trying to add to
1: this? I just want to say, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys win your weeks. I hope you guys win your turkey bowls. Um, I know I got mine going bright and damn early Thursday morning at 8 a.m. I hate my family. For oh, What? Yeah, turkey bowl at 8 a.m. I know. It's
0: crazy. Is this something um, I'm not wide enough to know about? What are you talking about? Turkey dude, you, bowl?
1: Dude, you said you had turkey. You know, when, when your family gets together and plays a game of football before you do your you know dinner and stuff.
0: Like tackle football in the yard?
1: Hell no, man! We're just playing two hand touch down at Joe Merkel. You want to go in? You had your son, what? so I didn't want to invite you.
0: I'm I'm literally going to show up, and I want to
1: do it. You're in now. Now now you can't say no. I'm if I tackle
0: your mom too hard, that's your fault. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> so hey guys, win your weeks, win your turkey bowls. Uh, have a blessed Thanksgiving. Try to avoid the drama with your families.
0: Yeah, definitely the last part. Avoid the drama with your families. Thank you for listening. If you haven't by now, follow us on Twitter, at the FFFathers. Interact with us. We're all about it, baby. Send us a DM, post, whatever. Uh, Just don't be creepy about it. And um, Wait, Or do. Or be creepy. Fuck it. Who cares, dude? <laughs> send your shot, right? Gotta send the shot. You never know if it doesn't land. Um... What am I missing here? Um oh make sure you like and subscribe. Yeah. Um whatever you're listening on right now. Give us five stars. If not, um just give us five stars. There's really no other option. It's only one option. Five stars or die. So thank you for listening. Have a good Thanksgiving. Um Bye. <laughs> <laughs>